the free for all roundtable round two on round two today, Michelle Morrow is here, a music teacher, Mark Tui, trusted advisor to business and political leaders, and Deb Hutton, former advisor to two premiers. I understand you, you're suffering from like double calamity today, Deb Hutton. <laughs> What's going well, on? And as I, well, as I've been waiting to, to uh, chat with all of you fine people, a bird just hit the window. Oh, so, so now we're up to three. I think so. Uh, so Friday morning, our, our car got stolen. And yes, for all of those saying, didn't this happen to you four months ago? The answer is yes. Second car in four months right out of the driveway. Wow. And then Saturday, I wish I had a better story to tell you, John, but I haven't had a chance to make anything up. But I sprained my ankle so badly that I am on crutches. And uh, my friend Mark Tui, I think, is filling in for me on News Talk today because I don't know how to get into the studio. Oh, goodness. Are you wearing one of those big clumsy boots, too? No, it's like a compression thing that I can't even hardly get on the foot. So right now it's just ice and elevation and crutches when I have to move. Okay, well, normally when something amazingly lucky happens, people say buy a lottery ticket. I don't know what happens when you have a turned ankle, a stolen car, and a dead bird. I. I don't know, other than it will make for good talk radio when I eventually get back into the studio, John. Okay, looking forward to that. And yes, Mark Tui is going to be in on News Talk today. Uh, okay, it's Municipal Election Day in Ontario. I don't know that there's a heck of a lot to be said about this, but, uh, I mean, you used to work with a municipal politician known as Mayor Rob Ford. So, uh, Mark Tui, any any bon mots this morning? No, we haven't been able to find Mark? Okay, so let me come back to uh, Deb Hutton. Anything you're watching today? Yeah, I mean, basically the whole 905 is interesting. We've got a, a whack of former uh Provincial politicians who are running to be municipal politicians, Stephen Del Duca up in Vaughan. We've got Patrick Brown in Brampton hoping to get reelected after uh, yet another scandal and Andrea Horvath in Hamilton. So those are interesting ways, races for uh, for us to watch tonight. Do you find this to be compelling stuff, Michelle Morrow, or just let's get it over with? Um, I'm probably down the middle. I think it is compelling, but it's sometimes hard to find information about like, the candidates in your writing. I know even I'm sitting at my kitchen table and I was like, I just picked up a leaflet and I'm like, oh, shoot, I haven't read this one yet. But I just want to say that for anyone who feels apathetic about politics, this is the election you should vote in. These are the people who handle your day to day events. They handle your garbage pickup. They handle your light, they, your light changes. I know for me, I live very, by a very big street and I talk to my local um, counselor about how long it takes my kids to cross the street. And so if you need something done at the immediate level, this is the election you should vote in. Okay, well, I hope we're finding Mark Tui because he was uh, all fired up about this next issue. And that is a tweet from David Miller that effectively, he's the former mayor, for those who aren't, you know, don't have long memories. Uh, he was tweeting in the wake of the suspicious package that was found on the land side or the mainland side of the ferry terminal. Uh, he was saying, well, maybe we should revisit the fact that we have an airport in the heart of the city because it must be a security concern. Uh, Michelle Morrow, some people on round one said it was the dumbest thing they'd ever heard, perhaps from anyone. Uh, what's your take? I don't know if it's the dumbest thing, but I just want to say, oh, thank you, Mr. Miller. Thank you for making that decision for me that it's so much easier for me to get all the way to Pearson. Thank you for making that decision that I can take a train to New York. Thank you. What a jerk. <laughs> just, I don't, I don't like that he's trying to say that you can that it's better for everyone to be able to take it that rain can rail can replace everything and that it's e so much easier now to get to pearson it is easier but it's definitely not the easiest
And if you want to tell me that someone is going to put aside 12 hours to take a train to New York as opposed to fly, then you're bonkers. Yeah. I mean, I guess Deb Hutton, he's kind of being gratuitous. There's a certain uh, elfin or, uh, you know, quality about the former mayor that he just likes poking at people. Yeah, this is ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> what a jumping off point to make the case on uh greenhouse gas emissions and why we shouldn't have an airport. I don't know. Places like Chicago seem to manage a, a, an in-city airport. The fact that we've had it for how many years, and this is really, uh, in the grand scheme of things, one of the minor things that has happened from a security perspective. I mean, listen, people living near Pearson aren't going to feel so great if there's a suspicious package at Pearson either. So unless he's recommending no air travel, which, by the way, I wouldn't put past him, uh, I, I just, as I said, find it really ridiculous. Even Gil Penalosa saw the light and flip-flopped on his position that we should close the airport and make it a park. Oh, I missed that flip-flop. Goodness. Okay. Yes, he's been out listening and talking to people, John, and he understands that we need to have more of a conversation before turning the uh, Billy Bishop Airport into a park. Okay, and we found Mark, too. He's on the phone, not via uh, one of our high-fidelity connections, but that's okay. It's good to have you. And, Mark, we're talking about David Miller, former mayor of Toronto, tweeting that a suspicious package <laughs> discovered uh, near the airport was proof enough that it's a target, so we should just close it down. You know, David Miller and I have probably never agreed on much policy-wise, but he's never said anything as truly stupid as this before. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of targets in downtown Toronto. There's a Sky Dome. There's a hockey arena. There are a lot of big, tall buildings full of people. There's a train station that one would have to get into in order to get on a train to go to the airport. Uh, it's just a ludicrous concept. Uh, the airport is not really a very attractive target for most people who want to blow something up. There are many other things that have been targeted in the past that would be much better targets. So taking out the airport doesn't change the equation. Plus, you'd have to get on a train that spews GHGs to get out to the airport to take another plane that also spews even more GHGs than the ones that fly from the Island Airport. So this is a truly idiotic thing to say. All right. Glad you got your say in time. Uh, NDP MPP Jeff Birch joined us this morning to talk about um, a sort of a gray zone in the supportive housing market, and that is people who private and for profit run homes that don't necessarily, you know, they don't have nurses or anything like that, but they are for people who are on disability, and the disability check actually goes to the owner of the home. And then in some cases, as Jeff Birch was describing, these people become almost hostages because not only are they, their home things being taken care of, but then the person who owns the place starts uh, going out, bringing them their prescription drugs, for example, but charging a premium on it. Uh, this, for me, Deb Hutton, is very much worthy of the province's focus and of regulation. It sounds like a tragedy. Absolutely. This should never be a gray zone. And while it's rare for me to call for more government regulation, I cannot believe that we are not regulating these homes. It's absolutely terrible. And, and this, you know, this are, these are people who, for a variety of reasons, need a, a group home setting. And the fact that we have them is the plus. The fact that these are disgusting from all accounts and we have no ability to uh, monitor them and shut them down, absolutely unacceptable. And I hope when the House returns, that his private member's bill is accepted by the government and we put some parameters around these places because they're a great concept, particularly for people who have some developmental needs or some mental health needs or are just not eligible for rehab and yet don't feel comfortable yet going home.
Yeah, Michelle, the portrait painted in an investigative feature in the Toronto Star is just heart-wrenching. And also, you can't imagine, and I have to lawyer myself carefully here, but one individual who is named in the story who's one of these owners, it just seems unspeakably cruel. And he he insists, no, 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 I'm doing these people a favor, and I know what it's like to be homeless. I used to be homeless. Yeah, you read the accounts, and it it is heartbreaking. And the gentleman who runs the the facilities seems to have an excuse for everything and it seems to to be trying to talk his way out of it. I completely agree with Deb. This should be regulated, but I hope that with regulations comes more people to actually check in because if we think regulation is going to fix a lot of these problems, then we have to double back to what happened in COVID when so many people, when we saw what was happening in some of the regulated uh, nursing homes and how badly the residents were being treated. So I don't think regulation is the be-all and end-all. I think it's a great step, but I hope we have more people who can go out and visit these facilities. And then also the ways to hold these owners and the the managers who are running the facilities to account as opposed to just letting them default on fines, which is what is happening with the owner of these homes right now. Mark Tui, what do you say? Yeah, no, I think uh, both Deb and Michelle have nailed it. Regulation, yes, but we know that regulation isn't really going to fix it. All of our long-term care homes have been regulated forever. We aren't very happy with them. So we need a better, we need government employees who actually can do their jobs to go out and do their jobs once they're regulated. Climate protesters threw mashed potatoes this time at a Monet painting. The last time it was tomato soup on a Van Gogh. Uh, Then they pulled out the vials of glue and glued their hands to the wall. They say the, you know, the damage of a priceless painting is nothing in comparison to the damage we're doing to the planet. So that's the line they're trying to draw. Uh, Michelle Morrow. I don't know how the painting is causing climate issues to be completely honest and i feel like that it is the wrong focus you there's a saying i'm going to muddle it up unfortunately where the journalist should never become the story the journalist should focus on the story and i feel like that's what's happening here there the focus is more on them and the ridiculous aspects they're doing as opposed to what we can actually do to fight climate change and make the world to be very cheesy to make the world better for our children but i don't think that any sort of action like this is just going to make people roll their eyes and it's not going to make people invest in how they can make changes for themselves and in their community yeah, Mark Tui, they will argue, of course, there's an existential crisis that we're already in and face in the years to come. So why do we value a piece of canvas that was painted by a dead guy 150 years ago? But I'm not sure they're actually bringing anybody on side. I don't think so either. I don't think uh, they're demonstrating uh, that they give a damn for the planet or the future of humanity. I think what they're demonstrating is that they have far too much time on their hands and they have zero credit or creativity. They can't come up with their own idea for a protest, so they do this. I say let them glue themselves to the wall and don't take them off it. Just put them in a plastic box so that we can watch them slowly, slowly dehydrate. And that will be performance art to replace the painting. That would be quite the show, Deb Hutton. I love it. I think it's a great (laughs) idea. Um, Listen, there's such an appetite for their cause internationally. But this is just a dumb way to try and bring people on board. I I think it actually ruins their credibility, makes people who might be thinking, geez, I may be better do a little bit more here for this cause to say these guys are just kooks and not and it turns people off, I think. So the two surviving sisters say Sasheen Littlefeather, who wasn't a, a rising actress in her lifetime and spent her life saying that she was a Native American, they insist she wasn't, that her father was Mexican, her, fa- her mother was a white woman, and she had no indigenous blood whatsoever. Um, Mark Tui is, I mean, she's dead. She died two weeks ago. So does it really matter? 
I don't think it does, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I grew up in Western Canada and went to school where most of my friends were all Indigenous Canadians from the reserve across the river, and I never asked for a blood test. I mean, I don't... Some of them looked like me. Some of them had darker skin. Some of them had lighter hair. I, I never asked. We just uh, got along. Well, and Michelle Morrow, I mean, there, there's no small number of people who have posed in an ethnicity not their own. Uh, that would include, and I'm trying to remember the name, but there was a woman who pretended to be black, but it turned out that she was white. But then I did an interview with her, and she said, well, if I, if I want to feel like I'm a black person, why can't I? Yeah, but there's a difference between saying I empathize and I, I put myself in your shoes and I try to support and help you move forward than saying this is my reality. Um, McLean said a great article not that long ago about a whole about pretendians, about people in academic circles who are getting Indigenous posts when they're not actually Indigenous. Um, I, I wish that they, they had perhaps said this before she had passed because now it just seems like they're being vindictive. What is the point of saying this now otherwise, other than to ruin credit. Yeah, yeah. We're at a racetrack, but my thanks to you, Michelle Morrow, Mark Tui, and Deb Hutton. And one does wonder why they waited a half century until she was dead in order to reveal that. Now she's not here to fight back. Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.